Hello and welcome once again to another edition of the I Am Always Right Sports Podcast. I am your host, as always, the mouth of Michigan, Rob Mendyka. With me, as always, my co-host, the Merc Zone, Mike Merkel. I'm right here. And we have a lucky treat for you guys, our resident NBA insider, Mr. Kyle Budzanowski. Kyle, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Bro? I am doing fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, it is a huge, monumental episode this week. We are at episode 10. That's right, official double digits for our weekly show that hits live every Monday at 7 in the morning morning you can count on it like clockwork it is a huge monumental moment for all of us here at the show m the brain will be with us later on in the episode so stay tuned for that but we're gonna hop right into it guys and we had to bring kyle into here because the biggest news coming out of the sports world is clearly this nba trade deadline talk there's so much that's happened in the past couple weeks that it's really kind of taken everybody by storm it's really taken away from the super bowl buzz and if you haven't heard our super bowl episode be sure to go to our quick hitter episode two to hear all our analysis on that but anyway, Kyle, I'm going to start with you. Christos Porzingis is now a Dallas Maverick, okay? Mm-hmm. That was a huge trade for both teams, really. The the Knicks, as far as trading away and, and establishing some guys and bringing back some talent on expiring deals, so they'll have two max slots going into this free agency period where guys like Kevin Durant, Kyrie could be a free agent. Um, they could be in line for the Anthony Davis kind of stuff if, if they choose to be. As well as for the Dallas Mavericks, now you're taking a guy like Porzingis, who they think, along with Luka, their young rookie, they could really have a solid one-two punch there. And obviously Rick Kyle, one hell of a basketball coach, as we here in Detroit know. But just give me your initial reaction on the Kristaps trade, because I think me and Mike were both a little surprised that they were able to move him, and the Knicks are sitting pretty right now. Yeah, definitely. I think there's a lot of like winners in this deal. It's mm-hmm. obviously such a big uh, trade, but I think first off with Kristaps, he wanted to be traded. He didn't yep. want to be in New York. Absolutely. He he's injured for pretty much the whole season now, mm-hmm. but um, for the upcoming season now he's got Luca as his teammate. Mm-hmm. Um, Dennis Smith Jr. I think that's a win for him because he wasn't he wasn't the man on the team anymore with Luca coming in. Right. Like, Absolutely. He kind of was being shadowed by Luca. You mm-hmm. got um, the the Knicks guards that got traded. Uh, the two Michigan men. Right. Uh, yeah. Trey you got Trey Burke and Tim. I mean, let's let's look at this for a second here. They basically swapped starting lineups. You know, and I think Mike, yeah. you made that point to me earlier, and I didn't even realize it at the time. But they really basically swapped lineups, and really, in in a lot of ways, I think this is a great move for the Dallas. Mavericks because, like you said, they do get Kristaps back. The Knicks, though, I think short term, right? It it benefits it benefits the Mavs as far as building and and you got a superstar, right? That you can point to yeah. for next season and say we got Kristaps, right? But for the Knicks, I think this is the first move they've made and in a long time for Knicks fans to go, okay, now we have a little something, right? You get out of the contract. Of, of Tim Hardaway that they stupidly signed in the first place, right? Yeah. You you have you uh, you accumulate bad contracts to, that you're going to get rid of, so you're going to have two max slots to go sign two premier type players from anybody in the league right mm-hmm. now. I think they're set up really really well, and I think overall this is definitely a win for the Knicks more than it is Dallas. Yeah. Mike, how do you feel? Especially with. The fact that the Knicks are very bad this season. Right. I won't use the S word for anything. <laughs> They're very bad this season, though. So getting a very high draft pick also, yes. you can maybe hit someone like an R.J. Barrett mm-hmm. and or a Zion Williamson if you can draft in the top three with the lottery. Right. However, this... This is one of those make-or-break trades mm-hmm. because in the case, yeah, you do open up two max slots, but what if in the instance that KD or Kyrie don't want to go to the Knicks? Right, and that's obviously something. But you know, I, then, I, you, then it's th- like, I think they make this trade if they know something's yeah. got to be. I mean, there, you know what I mean, obviously, I could see like, okay, yeah, like they probably have something in the works. They probably they've probably had inside talks and was like, hey. 
you're right. probably going to want to come here, right? <laughs> okay, now we'll make this trade. Please. But in the instance that KD wins a championship, because actually, right. I like it here. I don't want to leave. Mm-hmm. In that case, and then Kyrie's like, oh, I want to go play. I want to stay in Boston. Or I want to go somewhere else. Right. That's not the Knicks. Mm-hmm. Then you're looking around like, uh-oh. We have two max opens, but no one no wants, wants to come, come here. here. Right. And who are you going to pay? Like, Clay Thompson a max or something? I, well, like, that's that's somebody that I think is probably going to get a max deal. When yeah. NBA free agency kind of hits, we'll kind of go more into detail on that. But, um, yeah, I agree with you 100%, Mike. I, now, let, let's just segue for a minute here about the actual trade that happened, right? Because Kristaps obviously isn't going to play this season, is mm-hmm. what the Mavs have came out and said. So they're planning on not being very good this year Absolutely. in order to build for the future. And I think some of the pieces they got in that trade will help them kind of coast. Tim Hardaway is a stud. Um, I like Trey Burke, especially with Hardaway together. They have that chemistry going. So oh, they absolutely. have some pieces there, along with Luka, obviously. Um, but let's shift now from one superstar big man to probably the biggest big man out there, besides probably the Greek freak. And that's Anthony Davis. Him and his agent basically coming out publicly and saying that they are not going to sign an extension with the New Orleans Pelicans in a year and a half. They're going to reject any offer, and they'd like to be traded. It appears that the Lakers are the front runners as far as who is preferred destination. He said he wouldn't mind going. Going to the Knicks, he said he wouldn't mind going to Boston. Theoretically, um, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of teams in play here for this guy's services. But um, Kyle, once again, our resident NBA insider, what do you think about this? Because I was a little, I wasn't necessarily taken aback by it, but the fact that they've they've just came out and straight up announced it to the whole world kind of took me by a little surprise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the only, I think the only reason they are doing that is because they have one one destination that they really want to be in, and that's mm-hmm. L.A. He said he said his agent said his father said right. we don't want to go to the Celtics. We don't mm-hmm. care about the Celtics. They said no matter if he gets traded to whatever team after the twenty twenty season, he's he wants to go to L.A. And for L.A., that's you're kind of in a little situation because. You don't exactly have to trade for him. Like mm-hmm. you don't have to give away your, your young players like right. Kuzma and Lonzo, mm-hmm. and and just hope that he and pretty much know that he'll sign for the twenty twenty season. But right. if you don't do that, then you have to worry about LeBron aging mm-hmm. and uh, not getting Clay. If Clay right. is like, oh, he's not going to come this year, then I don't want to go there. So right. there's a lot of it's there's a lot of there's a lot of ups and knees, right? Yeah. And, and you make a great point, right? Is that if he does want to go to L A. However, I think it's very similar to the Kawhi Leonard situation, to where he's in Toronto and Toronto gave up a lot to get him, but they're really doing a great job of trying to sell him on the city, on the team, on yeah. the organization. So if, say for instance, and the Celtics really have no incentive whatsoever to trade for Anthony Davis right now. No. Not only can they not, number one, they have no reason to because... They, they, they're going to give up all these assets, and I think they're prepared to do so. But if you're the Lakers, you are trying as your damnedest to get Anthony oh, Davis absolutely. right now. I heard a rumor out there that they tried trading Lonzo, Kuzma, Rondo, and a first-round pick, right? Was that and Michael Beasley? Yeah, 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 and Michael, and Beasley, Michael right? Beasley, right? Mm-hmm. So really you're getting two kind of, you're hoping franchise cornerstones in Lonzo and Kuzma along with the first-round pick and then two aging guys, right? For LA, I understand the urgency, right, to try and get them. Yes. But at the same time, is it worth this? And I'm going to ask you, Mike, because you're our, you're the Laker guy and you follow LeBron so closely. But I mean, is it worth it for the Lakers? Because if you do this, right, mm-hmm. you're 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 hampering the rest of your team big time, right? You're losing a bet. You're losing two point guards at that point. You're losing yeah. Kuzma, who you think is a, who could be a star. Not so much the first round pick and mm-hmm. Michael Beasley is whatever. But I understand what you're getting back. Yes. But the fact that you're going to completely deplete your roster as a whole, I don't know if just LeBron and Anthony Davis with three other just scrubs, because that's what they'd be, is scrubs at that point yeah. out there, I don't think that's enough. 
Well, I don't like the tray that they gave out originally. Right. I think I'm actually reading some stuff right now mm-hmm. that this trade scenario, including Lonzo, Kuzma, Ingram, Zubak, and a number one pick that or might, two yeah. first round picks, mm-hmm. I think that could be if you're could be if it, you're the yeah. Pelicans and you're looking, you get Lonzo, Kuzma, Ingram, Zubak, and two first round picks in the next two years. Right. I, I don't know how you can one start passing that up. And two, if that's the case, then you could have a starting lineup of mm-hmm. Rondo, Pope slash Hart, whoever you like mm-hmm. more can start, right. LeBron, um, and then you know Davis can play the four or, or five, and right. then you can have someone like well, have Wagner, Tyson, or, and then you yeah. have you Tyson, Tyson Chandler, Chandler too, right? And stuff. Mm-hmm. You have, and then you have a core starting five that you can work with, mm-hmm. and then you can start. You know, maybe you can trade away a few pieces and get some good right. role players, well, and there you think... can free agency. Right, obviously. Well, here's the here's the thing that the, the Lakers I think are kind of hurting for. Right, is two things. Number one, the Pelicans have no incentive right now to make a trade. Yeah, Zero, because right. they know that the Celtics hold three first round picks. They've got people that they could take back, including Jason Tatum, which I know they floated out there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, and they're going to have cap flexibility. Where the Lakers, which have done a pretty damn good job, I would say, of setting themselves up for a position like this. At the same time, if you're the Lakers and the and and the Pelicans kind of go through this trade deadline and say no we're gonna wait and see and let everybody make an offer right yeah that's where you're hurting because that's... even if he doesn't want to go there say he does go to boston all right now you're going a whole nother year and now you're like in a situation where it's gonna get a little sketchy you know what i mean and there could be reasons and he could maybe like boston after he goes there there's a lot of doubt if you don't get him now yeah mm-hmm. also with um so when they would get him, if that's the case, if he does go to Boston, right. that would be two years from now, and LeBron would only have two years left on his contract. Right now, he then you're looking at upwards. He would be 36. Right, going and then, into yeah. 37. And we get it. He's a genetic freak. We yeah. understand that. But but at some time, some especially point, for happen. NBA guys, like there's a difference between Brady and the position he plays mm-hmm. that he can play till he's 45 right. and be perfectly fine, right. and LeBron playing till he's 40 something. And as we've seen it too, right? Definitely. This Lakers team, as it's constructed right now, without LeBron James, it's a glaring hole. And we all notice oh, it, right? They're losing to guy, teams like the Cavs and stuff. It's unacceptable, right? Mm-hmm. But the fact that he has such an impact right now still, it's not going to go on forever. I know yeah. we like to think that it will, but everybody, even Michael Jordan, at the end of it, was not Michael Jordan anymore. Oh. And LeBron needs to be out there for 40 minutes a game for the Lakers to succeed. And they also mm-hmm. just, they like, LeBron has never had, and you can, I think, argue D-Wade mm-hmm. a little bit. But I, he's never had a talent like Anthony Davis on his team. Absolutely not. Ever. Absolutely you can not. look at anybody else, any of the greats. You can look it's at Jordan, yeah. had Pippen. Yeah. You can look at Kobe, had Shaq for a little bit, or mm-hmm. Paul Gasol. Mm-hmm. You have all these teams, and you had LeBron. And he did have D-Wade for a couple years. I'll give you that. Well, but he had D-Wade plus Bosh. Plus Bosh. Bosh. Yeah, and Who then was, that kind of yeah, like weighs right. it down. I think Which I think you have, with those two equals Pippen, I think, in that yeah, regard. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Where, like, in that case. And mm-hmm. then later in his third and fourth year there, Bosh was getting hurt and stuff. Right. And then that's where it started declining and Kyrie no offense but when he first got there and they won I don't I think, think Ky- Kyrie's nowhere I think Kyrie is going to be a name to watch for all of us here mm-hmm. in the coming weeks yeah. especially if he doesn't resign with Boston and he mm-hmm. goes somewhere and he's already said he's open to a reunion with LeBron that's yeah. a whole nother thing but yeah. let's shift now a little bit local and as far as the Pistons go right you see teams like the Knicks who haven't been good in forever you see guys like Boston who are setting themselves up who are already already winning but now have set themselves up for even more right mm-hmm. the Lakers are setting themselves up to kind of make another run at it with LeBron plus whoever, okay? You're seeing a lot of these teams position, even Dallas, right? They hit on their draft 
pick, and they got Chris Stops, they got pieces in place. And then you look at a team like the Detroit Pistons, where you got bad salary cap, okay? You, you traded for what you thought was a superstar. And I, let me let me be clear. Blake Griffin's played pretty damn well this season. I think he's been oh, yeah. I think he's looked the best he has in the past four years. He's healthy, he's been effective, but you paid Reggie Jackson a ton of money, you paid Andre Drummond a ton of money, you paid John Lure a ton of money, you got a whole bunch of these guys, and now you're not able to give away these people anymore because of how bad a contract they signed to, which completely takes you any out of any conversation for any of these big guys. I'm not saying Anthony Davis is going to come here, no doubt. But what I am saying is you mean to tell me right now you couldn't have taken a flyer and tried to throw something together for Kristaps knowing that, mm-hmm. that you could have maybe possibly, you know what I mean, got the best years left out of Blake Griffin mm-hmm. out of him? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because let's be real, Kristaps is a better player than Andre Drummond. Oh, absolutely. So it's just those pieces, and I think it's frustrating because now you look at teams that are trying to make a move, and then the Pistons, where you're trying to win with a team that you know you can't win with right now. Yes. You know what I mean? It's yeah. it's extremely well, frustrating. I, I don't know how. I mean, Kyle, how do you feel about that? Because for me, it's like we're sitting in this pattern where we're just kind of rotating our wheels and we're just kind of spinning in place, but nothing's actually happening because you can't do anything right now. I know it's it's really frustrating because taking away all the bad contracts, all mm-hmm. this stuff is the the one thing that they're doing is they're. They're going to t- farther and farther towards their best two superstars are going to be the center and the four. Right. And that is completely against what the league is turning against. <laughs> That's it's like, and we mentioned and, that. And like yeah. Warriors, they're all the they're greats. It's just three point shooting, and mm-hmm. it's it's just facts. Centers are going to be shooting threes now. Blake Griffin, he can shoot threes, but he, he's like a down low guy, just with right. Andre Drummond. Exactly. And that's why Kristaps and Kristaps and Anthony Davis are so good. They're so versatile. They can spread out Absolutely. the floor so greatly. And so when you're moving towards these this down low, you who's your best three point shooter? Reggie mm-hmm. Bullock. Like, and yeah, then you're giving exactly. all these bad contracts. You're just moving away from what the league, and you're never and when and you day, never get out of, yeah. you never get underneath it, right? That's mm-hmm. how the Warrior they drafted well, and you're missing draft picks. Yeah. Mike, same th- same thing question to you i mean like kyle mentioned a lot of great points where it's the, the league is completely shifting away and we've mm-hmm. mentioned this before on the show but he's right and and clearly the pistons way isn't working okay no. they barely beat the mavericks a couple days ago with none of their starting lineup even starting so i mean where do you go if you're the pistons i think it's a lot of trouble but you know what <laughs> you know what really bothers me more is yeah. just how like say like 15 years ago yeah we they, we had a championship team right right and all this good, great stuff was happening mm-hmm. for the pistons and since about 2010-ish, mm-hmm. like, it's just like, you that look at Detroit, disaster. it's not like, it's not as bad as like what you probably look at other teams as like the Lions would, like mm-hmm. you go, oh, it's just the Lions. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Pistons are like a franchise. Right, a pillar franchise. Yeah. I mean, they have championships but to their name. right now, especially in the past like five years, it seems like, they're kind of just like how Cleveland was. They exist. They just kind of are there. Yeah. Like you yeah. play them and you're like, we could probably beat them. Right. And the mm-hmm. problem is... You have a team like Cleveland with LeBron James on the team, and LeBron can't recruit people right. and can't get trades going because no one wants to come to Cleveland. Right, because they know. And realistically, you look at it and you go, "Who really wants to come to Detroit?" Nobody. And that's and like, that's, and that's, that's the, I think that's the absolute. biggest problem is you go and you're like, you could go to LA, mm-hmm. you could go to Golden State, you can mm-hmm. go all these teams, and you go, but Detroit, it's cold and yeah, I know, I get there. it. I totally it's like get atmosphere it. there. All yeah. right. All right, guys, let's shift over from the NBA now to the not so much NFL, but we're going to shift to the football world. Obviously, the Super Bowl is coming up as of this. It would be yesterday when you guys were hearing it. So make sure you listen to that. Um, But the um, Alliance of American Football, it's a new startup league. It's got some guys from the NFL, some former coaches like Mike Martz, Mike Singletary, uh, Steve Spurrier is going to be there. And basically what it is, it's a league that's um, it's a startup league. It's going to give guys 
guys that maybe are kind of on the edge fringe roster players in the NFL an opportunity to have more live game action, right? So I'm going to start off with you, Mike. I mean, it starts right after the NFL season. Um, each each team kind of gets assigned players based off of what NFL team they come from or what you know or what have you, what college team based off location. Um, are you interested in the league? Because I think it's an interesting concept, and yeah. I, I, I hope it kind of sticks around, but I think the quality of play is going to be where it's going to get me whether or not I'm going to watch. I Well, I would also agree with that. Yeah. I think quality of plays. Mm-hmm. Football is definitely my number one sport. Right. Like It's like not very close <laughs> to me, really. I mean, basketball is there, but right. like it's not very close. Football is my number one sport. Right. And I'm just I, – I actually – I really am, I'm going to, I think I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah. And I say that because I, I find a lot of pleasure mm-hmm. in like these guys who, especially because they're all on an equal playing field. Right. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's not like you're not playing like these great athletes that like should have been drafted, but they have to go to developmental first. Like, it's just kind of like the undrafted names. Right. And they're it's they're like, trying to make a splash. Yeah. They're right? trying to make the splash and everything. And those are some of the better guys that you can find too. Like yeah. people like Philip Lindsay for the Denver Broncos was undrafted. Well, and that's the thing. And like and you I can think, find some of these talents, right? Absolutely. In this sport, and I think Bob Quinn even mentioned in his end of the year press conference where he's interested in it, right? Oh, absolutely. Like you, he's gonna send his scouts down there to look at players in this league when they play and have live game tape, right? Mm-hmm. It's a huge thing for these players to get more tape out there, more film to really grow inside a inside a team, right? That has that same mentality with coach and trainers that have been in the league before to prepare them to maybe they can take that next yeah. step, right? Kyle, are you interested in this league? I mean, like, I know that we've talked before where it's kind of one of those things where it's kind of been on the radar, but CBS is really pushing it, and it's it could be something really fun for the for the fans and, and kind of that break in between the NFL and, like, the draft and the free agency and all that mm. stuff. So are you interested at all in the league, or are you kind of like, ah, screw it, I'm NFL all the way? No, definitely. I'd definitely be interested in it, especially when, let's say, you, you have a, a decent year in college. Say mm-hmm. you have a decent to good year. You don't mm-hmm. know if you're going to get drafted. You don't go drafted. And this is, this, is a definite, this is a definite league you could participate in. And if you, and if you develop and right. fall out, this is mm-hmm. a way to show these scouts like, that I can play in an NFL playing field. Right. Definitely, and I just I would just I would, I mean I would watch. I mean, of course, if like it's the games aren't as interesting as football right. or college, then maybe I mean it just depends how interesting they are. It's mm-hmm. gonna depend on the it's gonna depend on the gameplay, obviously, yeah. right? And you're gonna see, you know, I I know like Mike Martz is a coach, so you see a lot of seven step dropbacks. That's gonna be that's a funny joke for us Lions fans out there who remember him <laughs> as offense coordinator, but. I'm going to ask both of you guys here, what's the ceiling, right? Like, what do we want? Like, we want to see good gameplay, right? But what's the ceiling? Like, the XFL is another thing that's coming mm-hmm. in the next couple of years. They're going to look to kind of rival the NFL, right? They're yeah. going to try to actively take players and move them over to the XFL. I don't know if the if this league is the same thing, no. but what oh, I mean, what what is the ceiling? Is it going to be minor leagues, or is it going to be something similar yeah. to what the XFL Actually, hopes to be? I have some interesting thoughts on that, yeah. because... I think, um, the, and I'm going to go more of the rules committee here. Yeah. I'm going to go into this direction where mm-hmm. I think in the NFL, people are scared to make a big rule change because right. you're going to be like, oh, we want to just like, say you want to cut out instant replay or something right. for what just mm-hmm. happened. Just let the referees do everything. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, but there's no instant replay. Then like, what if this happens or this happens? And so you want to get these rule changes and you don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing that you could do is you could have this league right. and you could implement some of these different rule changes. Mm-hmm. You know, you could do, hey, you can challenge after the two-minute warning. Right. And just kind of see like... Right. 
how are there any problems? Right, and there with are some stuff, rule changes you know? already. Like, there's no kickoffs in this league, right? Yeah, everybody just starts off at the 25, 25. yard line, just like a touchback. Mm-hmm. You know, some of these things are are yeah. different than in the NFL. And then if it starts working and everyone's like enjoying it, and right. ratings are good, then you're like, maybe we don't need kickoffs, right? Maybe we exactly. can review it under the two minutes. So you, to make so it more you're, you're, so you're looking at them as as kind of like an NFL Europe minor league type system for the yeah. NFL, right? So it's a triple A type system. Basically, where they're able to test things, test new ways the game are played, and obviously get an evaluation of players that exactly. maybe were undrafted. And I think, what have I you. think as a totality, I think it's actually perfect. And mm-hmm. I actually like this minor league system better than almost any other minor league system that mm-hmm. we have because you can just bring players in, you can test stuff mm-hmm. as like the higher ups. You can be like. Let's test this and see if this works. Right. And you can get all this talent, and then right. you could find some future, maybe even Hall of Famers, right. just Absolutely. from this league Absolutely. as a whole. Well, right. If you see somebody dominating and really separating themselves from the pack, yeah. you know what I mean? Got and then you go ahead that. and you, you, obviously, right? Yeah. It's a whole nother stream of game tape, of film, and everything else mm-hmm. of against guys that are, are what you think are similar status and talent levels. Mm-hmm. And then this guy's rep, you know, rises above that. That's clearly an advantage for any football team that's willing to look at. Kyle, same question. What's the ceiling? What are you looking for out of this league? Because Mike's thinking minor league system, which I think is awesome. Do you think it's going to be like a rival thing, or do you think it's going to be just a step below the NFL, which will allow the NFL to kind of have their own farm system? Yeah, I definitely think it's just going to be like a minor league or like a G League for the basketball. I think it's yeah. just going to be a way for players who weren't as like like scouted mm-hmm. before they really can develop, and as scouts see them, they could eventually one day move up. I don't ever think there'll be a rival. Like I, as as with the XFL, I don't think they'll exactly be a rival with the right. With the well, that's NFL. the goal, though, right? That's, yeah, that's, that's the, goal, that's their the point. goal. No, no one's ever, I don't think, truly going to be able to rival the NFL. Well, like, that's course, that, they're too big a juggernaut. Like as you have in basketball, there's the the big three. I don't know if you know what the mm-hmm. big three is. Yeah, but it's like we're like we're like older basketball players who might have been injured. Mm-hmm. Or just couldn't couldn't really make right. it. Right, they're veterans, yeah. or they no longer can play in the league, but they can still play. Yeah, I don't think it'll have a rival. I think it'll be. I think it'll be cool to watch, but I don't yeah. think it'll ever be rival. But I definitely with the the AAF, it'll definitely be a good farming system for the NFL. You find some great. That's actually there. a great idea. I think it would be yeah. just like the big three. Yeah, yeah, like that's it'll be, exactly. It'll yeah, be I something think, yeah, that like a great comparison. You know, because it's like on over the summer and whatever. Mm-hmm. So you like you're like you're at home and there's nothing to watch, and you'd be like, I could just throw a big three game on or something. Right, like you're here on a Sunday night or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, there's nothing on TV, no shows are on or whatever. And then you can be like, I guess the AAL is on. Right, So exactly. then you just go again yeah. and kind of and just have that background Just so everybody knows, too, every team in the I AAL can... has, like, there has professional teams assigned to them, right? So the Lions team is the San Diego fleet for us locally here. So any person that's uh, that was released by them can be then sent down to the AAL and the San Diego fleet automatically get their, get their, get to claim them, basically. They're part of their system almost yeah. i guess is the best way of putting that mm-hmm. but um yeah i think it's going to be something like like you guys said i think it's a minor league system i think that it's going to be a place where undrafted rookies get to go guys that are fringe players that are late round picks sixth seventh round picks that maybe get cut at the end mm-hmm. of the year and really allow themselves to develop i think that as long as it doesn't turn into the ufl where it's just a whole bunch of old guys yeah. trying to mm-hmm. play like the Jeff Garcias and the Dante Culpeppers of the world. Mm-hmm. I think that's where, as long as it's young, maybe an age limit maybe should be put in place yeah. at some point. Like you got to be under 30 to play yeah. in there or something. Also, don't change the rules too. I, I'm big into yeah. rule changing, but don't be like, oh, like Canadian football where it's like three downs. No, and stuff. yeah. Right. Like you have yeah, to like exactly. play a normal standardized NFL game. Right. But if you want to change some of the rules right. in there, and test it out. Test right. it exactly. out. But and like, don't it, like. Yeah. 
Don't can take be a away, yeah, be don't a take away pass interference or something. Right. Just yeah. to try it. Starts in the AAL, then goes to preseason. If it works in preseason, yeah, goes it could be like this is a right. I think I think that's a that's a tremendous idea. Okay, guys, that's gonna be it for part one of episode ten of this episode. The brain Emily Merkel is gonna be joining us for part two, so don't miss it. And we will be right back. Hey guys, it's your favorite member of the I'm Always Right team, Emily the Brain, coming to remind you uh, to check us out on social media. Instagram, Facebook, SoundCloud, Twitter. You can find us all at I'm Always Right or our handle is I'm Always Right PC on all of the social media platforms. Hey guys, this is Rob also reminding you that we are now on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play Music and YouTube. So be sure to subscribe to our channel on YouTube and to look us up by typing in I'm Always Right Sports Podcast. That's the I'm Always Right Sports Podcast, iTunes, uh, Google Play, Spotify, and now YouTube. Be sure to like, subscribe. Thank you for all the support. Now here's part two of this week's episode. Okay, and welcome back to part two of our monumental episode 10. That's right, double digits, people. That's right, and we welcome to the set... The brain, the lovely Emily Merkel. Emily, how are we feeling today? Great. Awesome. Welcome back. All right. So we thank Kyle Budzanowski for all that great NFL and NBA inside knowledge. We appreciate him. Always a fan of the show. Uh, we're going to be now shifting over to the world of professional wrestling. Obviously, the Royal Rumble and NXT TakeOvers, which we talked about last week on the show in our predictions. Now, this week, or maybe it was two weeks ago. I might have my timeline. But we're going to talk now Seth Rollins. Won the Rumble, the, the Men's Rumble. Becky Lynch, the man, won the Women's Rumble in very controversial fashion. Coming in for Lana, if you didn't see it, make sure to check out the WWE Network to check it out now. But I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start with you. Both Rumble winners, right? Where we kind of thought that that was probably where they were gonna go. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we didn't predict that necessarily, but it wasn't like a big shock. You know, Mike may have Mike may have went two for two on that one, but. Um, was it the right call? Was it the right call for both <laughs> Seth and Becky in their respective divisions to win the Rumble this year? Um, I mean, I was rooting for Seth. I'm glad Seth won, so mm-hmm. in my opinion, yes, on that right. one. Mm-hmm. That one, I feel like, was a little bit less controversial than right. Becky's yeah, I thought, win. I thought, they, I thought they did a nice I think show. when we did the last episode, I could be wrong, but I think I probably thought Charlotte was going to win. Yeah, yeah I think we Rumble. both, both, both had Charlotte. I think we yeah. both had Char- Charlotte, and you and I both had Rollins. Yes. Um, I went over two on that one, apparently. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, you had McIntyre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rob just likes to be different. He yeah. likes to be special. Yeah, because if I'm um, right, then it's like, oh, all right. Yeah, I don't think it was right a now. bad move. <laughs> Becky's been getting a huge push. I can see it. People are really behind that's, Becky that's right cool. now. Yeah. Um, I think the controversial part of it makes it a little more, more interesting. Mm-hmm. Do I know if she should take the whole title Um, yeah. when it comes to... She's sh- yeah, she, yeah, she's facing Rousey, right? We know mm-hmm. that Rollins is going to be facing Brock. So, I mean, you look at those two matchups, it's kind of what's been rumored for a while. I don't know if they're going to bring Charlotte into that match against Rousey yeah. and Becky. It's going to be a situation we monitor. And then when it's officially announced, we'll probably go over it on the show. So we're not going to go too deep into that now just in case they don't do it. I don't want to get mad at them for no reason. But, Mike, yeah. same question. Was it, I know you picked the winners, but do you think it was the right call? Do you agree with how they did it, how they got there, what they did? And, you know, kind of give me a rundown your thoughts right after the show and you're like okay i'm good or oh uh, you know oh yeah i was definitely good i yeah. sat there and i was like i i feel good about this show right uh, we will talk about the show as a whole mm-hmm. probably in a minute here but uh becky winning the rumble 
I, I see what they did to, like, right. it was kind of smart where mm-hmm. they used Rusev injuring Lana and then Lana couldn't compete. So right, that's absolutely. Why. I, I'm kind of annoyed that Becky just kind of walked out was like, just let me in. Right. And then they let her right in. Right. Like, kind of thing where it's like, why didn't anybody else do that? Like, mm-hmm. the logic mm-hmm. gap there kind of hurts me a little bit where, like, she just was like, hey, let me in. And right. then they're like, oh, yeah, you can go in. Sure, why yeah. not? And so that logic gap kind of hurt. And then mm-hmm. the second she walked in, everyone's like, oh, yeah, she's. She's, she's gonna, gonna win. Yeah, right. Like, there's no yeah. way she doesn't. I thought they did a right nice now. job though of telling that story with Charlotte though, where the with mm. the hurt leg and everything. She sold it on Monday night. Yeah. Um, but Seth, how do you feel about Seth winning it there? Um, I have a couple gripes with it, uh, not as far as Seth, but how they did it. But I want to hear your opinion first. Yeah, it was um, it was kind of interesting. I didn't like the uh, actually. Let me look. I don't know what was the final three. So it was Andrade, Strowman, Ziggler, and Seth were the final four. In that, right? Yeah. So Ziggler got eliminated, then Andrade got thrown out right after that, and then it was Braun and sat there for a minute. They kind of did the 2004 Chris Benoit big show thing where you got the front headlock and he kind of pulls him over at the end, and then mm-hmm. kind of at the very last second they switched up a little bit with the curb stomp. But yeah, you know what I mean? I, mean, I was I, I was actually more mad because once we got to the final three, mm-hmm. I thought it was like a no brainer that Seth was going to win, right? Which is I think that's the problem with this Rumble had was mm-hmm. I think last year and the, especially the year before that I remember talking and we had no idea who was going to win. Right. Like we assumed Shinsuke last year and two years ago we just had no idea because there's right. so many big names. This year we were like I think it's either like Seth or McIntyre and then McIntyre got eliminated like 10th to last or something. Yeah, like right. He was out before 30 that, came out right. and then we kind of sat there and then you looked at Ziggler, Strowman and Rollins for the final three and then you're like yeah, so and Andrade too. Which, and Andrade, right? And, yeah, and that's the thing too, and that's that's my gripe too. It's not so much that I because I had McIntyre winning. It's I feel like if you're gonna strap the rocket to that guy at some point during the year, yeah. I feel like he could have had a better showing. I feel like, oh, and, and we may be reading a little bit too much into it. I'm always a fan of Ziggler being in there, you know, just because you know he's he's yeah. he's a hell of a talent, and I like Andrade too. I, I like the fact that they teased the Strowman victory there because I think people were going to be really not for that. Yeah. You know, I like how they brought him in to replace Cena. However, I do think that if you weren't going to go with Strowman and if you and if he was out of the Rumble, he lost his title shot and all that good stuff, and you're going to put him in there, I feel like either he needed to enter sooner mm-hmm. and he needed just to get him out because yeah. then I think you would have had a more compelling case in my opinion because of the fact that you just took Strowman out of the title match mm-hmm. to then say all right let's just say it's McIntyre and if you're trying to build Andrade let him be in there too but Andrade and then Seth similar to what they did a couple years ago when Batista won it but you left Roman in there at the end nobody assumed that Roman at that point in his career was going to be in the final yeah. two and so everybody was behind him even though Batista won and it was the wrong call people were super behind Reigns, yeah. right? And you knew that. So in a situation here where you go, okay, we're going to put in a Drew McIntyre and a Seth Rollins, those were proverbial favorites going in. Then you're like, I don't know. Yeah. It's I, the Shawn Michaels Undertaker yeah, all once over you, Yeah, again. once you hit like the final four, mm-hmm. I want everyone in the final four to have, to have a, logical, a legitimate, yeah, a legitimate chance to win that and understand where they're going to go yeah, with it. Because like if you sit there and you look at that final four, I mean, mm-hmm. like you know Strowman's on. I would actually be more compelled if it was Ziggler in rounds because right. I could have definitely seen them out of nowhere pulling the trigger on Ziggler and right. everyone would be it's like, like give goes, you a wow. WTF right. moment of mm-hmm. like, wow, Ziggler just won the Rumble somehow. Absolutely. But like, that's why I love the women's one, I think, better this year because the final two was Becky and Charlotte. And, and they like, put on a hell of a yeah, performance. Either yeah. way, mm-hmm. I, I could see either one winning where this one's like Rollins and Strowman. You're like, 
Yeah, I don't really see Strowman winning. Yeah. So it made no Rons, sense for Rollins is going to somehow pull him off, and right. it's kind of anticlimactic to me at the absolutely, end of the absolutely. All right, guys, so let's shift now from just the focusing on the winners to both shows as a whole. We had a lot of great wrestling that happened over the week. Um. Overall ratings of both shows, the TakeOver Phoenix match, I know we watched the whole thing together, as well as the as the Rumble, you know, obviously they had some pretty good matches there too, but was there, would you, did you have a favorite match of the weekend, anything from either show, really? Give me your give me your overall impressions of the weekend that WWE had, and then also your favorite match, uh, and why. Hmm. So, on popular opinion, I mm-hmm. don't love Rumble matches, I find them very long and boring. Yeah, I don't um, think anybody really loves Rumble matches until the, the very end. end. Yeah, exactly. But the saying bills. that, I yeah. did like the women's Rumble. Mm-hmm. Um, I like trying. I like some of the pushes. I think the Rumble is always annoying me because you get like random people like Casey Catanzaro. Like she can stand on her right, hands and she can walk back that into the awesome. ring. Right. It's cool, but it's like it doesn't really add yeah, anything to the Yeah, of course. Match, you have but, people in there that you're just um, trying to get exposure. Yeah. Um, I think I like Johnny Gargano's match. I like that right. a lot. I thought that right. was a really ricochet good one. For the NXT. With Ricochet. Right. I always love a good... Good Johnny Gargano and Ricochet match. I love those. So I think that was my favorite match of the whole right. the whole weekend. I'm a big NXT fan, weirdly enough. I mm-hmm. like I enjoy NXT. I think it's a little purer than WWE sometimes. Right. They don't overcomplicate it. And sometimes yeah, it's just well, about well, like good wrestling. Right. And of course, you know, you have less time, right, to complicate things. It's strictly about the storylines. You know, it's been a little stronger. I think you have people too, especially because you're new into the wrestling scene, where a lot of these guys that are in NXT, you know who they are, right? Because we've mm-hmm. seen them before in Ring of Honor. We've seen them in New Japan. So you kind of have a little more exposure to them, right? Like if you saw Seth Rollins in 2005 when he was in Ring of mm-hmm. Honor, then you'd be like, okay, I'm a big Tyler Black guy who then turned into Seth Rollins. So it's kind of, you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. a big picture. But I agree with you. I thought the NXT North American title match was great. Yes. Um, I really enjoyed, actually, the um, the WWE title match between uh, AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan. I thought, I think it was underrated for what it was. The, yeah, the finish, obviously, with the screwy at the end part. Yeah. But I thought that Daniel Bryan is killing it right now as a heel. I'm loving the whole vegan environmentalist type grizzly <laughs> Adams guy. I think that is awesome and I'm glad that there's kind of segueing away from AJ. I think AJ needs a break and they need to kind of start building some guys and whoever faces Daniel Bryan for that title is going to be a fantastic fantastic match whoever they kind of position to yeah. be that next guy but I really enjoyed that match. I thought it's something where it kind of went under the radar for me. I enjoyed the NXT North American title match. Those are the two bag matches for me. Mike, same th- question for you. Well, what was your favorite match and overall thoughts on the shows? Um, I actually, for this NXT TakeOver, was mm-hmm. kind of not as compelling to me as no, I was have. It wasn't. Like, right. I don't actually, I mean, besides the North American champion, I was actually very disappointed in the NXT championship match. Yeah. If you want to I know. was too. I, was I just kind of was watching mm-hmm. it yeah. like, Alistair Black and Champa. Mm-hmm. I mean, they always do good stuff, but I was just like, I was never on the edge of my... You're never no. on the edge of your seat thinking, oh, okay, Black's going to win. Black's going to win. Yeah. Right. There was never a moment where that Absolutely pinfall agree. was happening and you were like, oh my God, it's going to happen. Absolutely And agree. I think that's what hurts it yeah. for me a little mm-hmm. bit, knowing that Champa does retain. There was never that moment. Right. And so that kind of ruins it. I didn't like the women's match that much. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just kind of slow and bland. Yeah. I get... Bianca Belair, like, fighting yeah. through all that stuff. Right. But... I don't think anything they did was necessarily groundbreaking, no. right? It was solid throughout, but when you set a level of expectation, yeah. you know what I mean? It's hard at it's times hard to, to live up to that. Absolutely. So, North American Championship match definitely was the top for me. Mm-hmm. On the Royal Rumble card, I would say, actually, Lesnar-Finn Balor okay. was probably my favorite match. Okay. I was most intrigued. It was only 
eight minute match. Right. You know, weirdly enough, Finn like, gave him Finn gave him a hell of a run though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Made made Finn look good. Because if you want to talk about like almost a close call, when he hit the coup de gras and yeah. pinned him right before right. Lesnar made him tap out. Yeah. He was pinning him and he had a two count. Yeah. And I was like, oh my god, they're just gonna they're just yeah. gonna do it right now. <laughs> like it's just gonna switch over right now. Shock everybody. And shock everybody. And right. then all of a sudden he he hit in uh, his finishing move or right. his sing his. Uh, yeah, the Submission, Kimura, yeah, Kimura yeah. Lock or whatever, and then won it. Mm-hmm. So those were my two matches. Overall, I think they were. I think the Royal Rumble is actually better. Mm-hmm. I, I think, think overall, they told, yeah. I think it was a good weekend for the WWE as a whole. I think they needed oh, yeah. this weekend. Mm-hmm. I think the Rumble winners were were people that people are behind and are the two hottest probably right now in the business as far as Seth and Becky goes yeah. uh, individually. I think they got, I think they put the right spotlight on the right people. And with all this like part. AEW talk and everything right. that's been circulating all around the wrestling world, right? Like WWE really needed this to be like, hey, we're still here Absolutely. and like here we are. We can and we can put and I I know let's and just for a minute here. The both Raw and SmackDown this week too, I thought were really well done. I thought they did. I thought they had some pretty great segments. I thought the matches were good. I thought SmackDown was really good with the debut of this new title that they have. Ron Killings all of a sudden coming out of nowhere and winning mm-hmm. the the U.S. title in kind of a weird fashion, putting some emphasis back on the tag team division on both shows. I thought there was a lot of good points there. I thought making Seth look good mm-hmm. were all really great. One thing, though, that I did notice, which brings us to our next topic, is Dean Ambrose. Obviously, the biggest reports coming out of probably the wrestling world outside of the Rumble is the fact that Dean Ambrose is being announced that he's leaving after mm-hmm. WrestleMania. He's leaving WWE. And you kind of saw the writing on the wall with his Rumble appearance, right? Nothing short of bland at best right he came in was there and was out and nobody noticed nobody cared right comes out on monday night gets beat clean by seth which you expect obviously nia Jax then gives him a shoulder bump and apparently she's bumping with guys now and everything else that was all weird which was all weird right why'd she come in of anybody no idea and it made it look like he's like kind of like beneath everybody else on the roster now which Mm -hmm. kind of makes you think wow they're really burying him he lost the intercontinental championship recently after making a very mediocre run at best with it um are you shocked with him leaving guys because i'm not necessarily shocked by the fact that he's leaving due to how he was booked but i am shocked that wwe that he's actually just turned down wwe and say i'm gone you know what would be funny and i know this won't happen yeah but what if this all is just like a smash and like they're just like because how many people like really just go i'm not gonna sign and then later like every single person wwe community says oh yeah he's definitely not gonna sign right like i just have this feeling that right after mania yeah he's just gonna come out and like win something Mm -hmm. and everyone's gonna go wait i thought he left like what's going on like it's gonna be one of those omg moments probably won't happen i'll give it like a five percent chance it happens yeah so I think, yeah, that, I think but... it's going to depend on how he's booked. I know he's still working live events. Em, are you surprised that Dean's anyway? Because Dean's been a top guy for about five years now. I mean, he's been WWE champion, US, he's a Grand Slam champion. He's won money in the bank. He's had main events. He's, you know, he's beaten pretty much everybody there is to beat. I, I mean, it's a big yeah. star leaving. It really is. It's a big star leaving, but I just don't, there's not, uh, nothing interesting about Dean Ambrose to me. <laughs> It's just not, and, and, and I don't know if maybe, yeah. like, I mean, he's a big star, and I know a lot of people really like him, and but I never get, like, there's not a lot of star power from him, and I think even when they book him, and they change his character, and he's friends with everyone, or he's lost his mind, or whatever the new thing is, he's standing by a car, and stuff's on fire, or whatever the new, <laughs> the new vibe Dang, is. going hard. <laughs> like, I just, I don't, I don't, yeah, I could, I could see it, maybe he so, wants more so out of his So you don't think, so you don't think, then, that this hurts WWE very much, with him leaving? I think there's a lot of Ambrose fans, though. I'm not one of them. Right. I could care less if he's there. Right. So, 
Because I, I, I do think it hurts. I think it hurts them. There's a lot of people behind him. He's a him. big star, and they've got a lot of money invested in him. I think some of the biggest telling of where he stands, though, within the company right now is when he got hurt, right? He was gone. When he came back, there was no pop. No. There was nothing. There was not a, oh my gosh, Ambrose back. Finally. Like, it was one of those things to where you just kind of went, okay. Yeah, you know, yeah all right, he's back. Cool. That's cool. You know, they needed some new guys. But I, I didn't see anything where I think he needs to leave. And then when he comes back yeah. in a couple years here, that's when he'll be his hottest again. Right. It's really yeah. what I think he needs, needs to kind of, similar to the Drew McIntyre thing. Drew left, not as bad, obviously, but Drew left. Came back now, new persona, new attitude. He's in great shape. He, he's better in the ring. Everything's better about Drew McIntyre, and I think the company's really behind him. Similar case of Dean Ambrose. I think it's just kind of time for him to leave, go do your thing, come back stronger, better than what. Go back is what Jared would say. Go back and learn a new hold. Is what you said. You know what I mean? So maybe don't go say, back. Right? Oh, you don't right, want I mean, to come back? Oh, I mean, wow. I mean, I mean right, he could please. come back, but like, I mean, maybe. Just... What if we get rid of Baron Corbin instead? Well, that's that's not that's fine. But we that, can just that, get rid of him. Yeah, Every, really everybody just went. Yeah, everybody yeah. was in the show. Everyone just was just like, like oh, I was yeah, trying to think sense. of people who annoyed me more than Dean Ambrose. Let's get rid of Bobby Lashley. He's the Intercontinental Champion, doing okay things. He's, He's going to lose it to Finn probably pretty soon. It's all good. But I mean, uh, Mike, same question to you though. Does it does it hurt WWE at all for him to leave? I mean, it hurts him. It hurts them absolutely. Yeah. At the same time, though, when you really look at it, if, especially since he came back yeah. and he's done really nothing, nothing. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like, could you put someone else in his situation and could yes. they do the same thing? Absolutely. Yes. So right. then, is he expendable? Yes. Mm-hmm. So do they really need him? Not really. Right. It's kind of like how I look at it. Yeah. Like for any sport, though, it's like, if you have this player on the team and if you lost him, would you be the same? Right. Yes. Then you don't yeah. need him. Mm-hmm. At, like that's just kind of how everything is. I think and, it's more of a big deal for people that are, are for guys that are actually in the business because he's been a such a top star and oh, it's gotten yeah. such pushes where you're like, oh my gosh, Dean Ambrose. Damrose just said no to a five year contract, seven figures a year. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like that's that's I think where people oh, are yeah. like, oh my gosh. But I agree with you. I don't think the fans as much. I think it was a shock. It was like, oh my gosh, he's actually leaving. Mm-hmm. But now that it's like WWE is trying to kind of control the narrative, I think it's kind of more of a. Okay, where is yeah. he going to pop up? And that leads me to the next question is, if if WWE, because obviously WWE wanted to keep him, and we've heard reports now where they're trying to sign everybody with an expiring contract to longer-term deals, five-year deals, right? All because of AEW, All Elite Wrestling, right? Is that, do you expect more, more guys, not even necessarily top talent like Dean Ambrose, but do we expect more top talent to go and maybe decline a contract extension in order to kind of see what's coming. Brock's contract's coming up, right? I know Jericho's making a big push for him to possibly sign an AEW too. So there's a lot of these guys that could possibly be leaving some of their companies and going to AEW just on the simple premise that it's not WWE or it's not Impact or it's not whatever. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, do we do we expect a more mass exodus from all these major companies to go here? I would, I would think so. I right. mean, let's be honest. If I was, I mean, just to name some people, like mm-hmm. the revival. Mm-hmm. If you're like people, like even I hate to say, like someone like maybe Finn Balor. Mm-hmm. Ever since recently, like yeah. very recently, right. people like him or like people that just aren't getting the bar. Mm-hmm. Like just these teams or these people that just aren't getting the push that they would want. Even right. though some of them are champions, but you haven't seen the bar on TV and right. three the months. Bar just lost to a. F- 45-year-old man, man in this. Right. Yeah. Or you have, like, like all these guys. It's just, like, 
could they just leave and go to AEW, get more exposure? It's the new hot thing right now, so everybody's going to be watching it. Absolutely. Like, I mean, I, I don't see why not. If I was in that situation, I'm sitting there and I'm like... At least if, evaluate the option. Eval- yeah. Right? If you're sitting there and your contract's done in May, May 1st, your right. contract's done, and you're sitting... Well, double or nothing's May twenty fifth. Yeah, right. like why not try to take a look at it? You know, right. and same question, right? Do you do we expect a lot of stars? I know like Zach Ryder's and the Kurt Hawkinses of the world, and you know a lot of these guys stay with WWE because they're not going to make the same money elsewhere, right? right? Where you know now with AEW coming in and giving these contracts and saying yes, you know we we are we're paying you right how you think you know how you should be paid how you're going to be utilized right you know even with the women and everything else like that i think that there's a strong sense for a lot of guys who are on that fringe who think that they're being underutilized or miss you know are being misused to say maybe the grass is greener here and like we said because of the money behind AEW this is really the first place where the money's actually going to be maybe possibly comparable to WWE yeah. I think it's possible. I don't know about like grand mass exodus, but I I can see some some people. I think ugh, I almost want to be like give it a year, give AEW a year, and if they prove well, they haven't ran a show yet, so it's gonna really yeah. Depend. But I know, but I think like I think they'll trickle almost. Yeah. Like I think you'll have a slow trickle, and I, I, WWE is clearly very stressed out about it. Mm-hmm. So well, here's here's what's crazy about this, right? And the and the but this will be the last thing we kind of mentioned on this topic, but. When WCW really started making a push and started kind of taking some of the talent from WWF at the time, um, it was kind of amazing how they did it. When they first launched WCW Nitro, they went and they got Hulk Hogan. Mm -hmm. They went and got Lex Luger. They went and got Macho Man Randy Savage. They got some established talent, right, where they they weren't looked at the same anymore. They were looked at as old or past their prime. WWE cycling a new set of talent. It's a very... Eerily, eerily similar situation here with AEW, where like guys like Chris Jericho, mm-hmm. if Brock goes, that's ginormous. Mm-hmm. If Ambrose pops up there, there's these pillars of the of the company, right, that maybe aren't getting the push or aren't kind of put at that level they feel like they should still be at, or they feel like they have more to offer. They go to a company like AEW, and now the whole landscape's changed, right? And you now you have this other push with already established guys like the Bucks and Cody there. You know what I mean? That are still in their primes. Mm-hmm. It's it's a volatile situation and it's super exciting for all of us here oh, on the show. Like that's another you know once double or nothing hits we're gonna be all over it. But let's shift now from the professional wrestling world and we're gonna end today's show our tenth episode. That's right, double digits with some baseball talk. Um, there has been no activity in MLB free agency, like none, none in Major League Baseball. Okay, like for instance Bryce Harper. Manny Machado, two of the biggest names to hit hit free agency in a long time. They're still out there. Spring training is right around the corner, and they're still out there. Why? Somebody tell me why. Because, I, I like, for me, you know what I mean? Like, if you're from the Tigers and you're trying to expend this, you're trying to expedite this rebuild, a guy like Bryce Harper probably going to help you with that rebuild. You Absolutely. know what I mean? To get guys to come here. Mike, tell me why. Why are these big names, haven't, why haven't they signed? Um, I would say it's because, well, one, contract that you probably have to give oh yeah it's just right. like mm-hmm. it's basically like half the team almost <laughs> from well, the contract the, the salary cap is different though yeah. right? oh In yeah baseball, know. Yep. you know so the luxury tax if you're a team that you want to win you're gonna pay whatever it takes to win mm-hmm. um but besides that point of it i mean someone like bryce harper walks mm-hmm. in and goes hey i want to play here i don't know why you're not just like hands and knees on the ground like please right please what do you thankful. want like right. like please come mm-hmm. help us 
Um, but maybe some teams are looking at it that baseball is not just like a one-player sport either. Right. Someone like Bryce Harper can help you a lot, but at the same time, if you don't have the totality of your team mm-hmm. kind of filed out already, Absolutely. then maybe it's just not something you're going to look at right now. Right, and like, obviously you're going to give them $300 million. Yeah, That's really if you're like the Tigers right now, you're like, we could go get Bryce Harper, but at the same time, we have literally nothing else to mm-hmm. offer, and... Right. Like, Agreed. you're just going to, like, waste him away, mm-hmm. and he probably doesn't want to come here anyway. And there's a lot of teams probably in that same cycle, so... Right. Yeah, I, I agree with you. That's a great point. Um, same question. What the heck? Why is why are guys... That, like, Manny Machado is an all-star. Bryce Harper is an all-star. These guys are tops of their field. Mm-hmm. What the heck? It sounds like a lot of the MLB, from, like, what I've heard, just as I've hung around people who like sports a lot more yeah. recently, Right. Um, I feel like a lot of teams are kind of, like, in a rebuilding phase. Like, I don't want to say baseball is not that exciting, because I don't want to aggravate anyone, <laughs> but, like... It almost just feels like a lot it's of teams exciting. are like, well, like building and all. Like, it's either like you're said. up, it's either you're going up or you're going down. There's one of two options there. There's not much. Plateauing. I think there's a lot of teams that are like the bottom of the parabola. They're like right there. Yeah. They're about to hit the, the bottom. Parabola. Yeah, the the swoopy thing. The U shape. The U shape in math. For all the people in math that don't know what a parabola is, it's a swoopy. They're at the bottom of the U shape. Okay. They're like they're like kind of hitting the bottom, and the Tigers are like, yeah, we're gonna suck for like five years, guys. Yeah, exactly. and I think too, and then going back up, and I think it's just they don't want to recruit. Like you said, three hundred million dollars is. And I think that's the biggest thing, right? It's giving them the contract that they're expecting to get, and I think that's the reason why teams are so hesitant is because, and that kind of leads to our final topic of the day, is why are teams so hesitant to sign these mega deals? You look at a guy like Miguel Cabrera, right? He signed a $200-plus million contract. He's been hurt the past two years. You don't know what you're going to get out of Miggy coming back, right? And that's a guy who is one of the greatest hitters ever, Mm-hmm. Ever, uh, you know what I mean, of this generation. So you look at that, and I think teams like even last year with JD Martinez coming in um, to to Boston, where he was out, he was like the big fish last year, right? And it took a while for him to sign. And I think the reason, and I think some of these major league teams are now kind of figuring out that I don't want to pay Albert Pujols for years age 39, 40, 41, 42, even though I got him at 34. Mm-hmm. When you sign these 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 year deals that are worth 300 million plus dollars for some of these guys, and what that's kind of what Bryce Harper is looking at. I don't want to pay for a guy, even though, okay, say he's 25, 26, however old he is now, I don't want to pay for him when he's 35. You know what I mean? And pay him $35 million because in baseball, as we know, as soon as you sign that deal, it's it's it. You owe them that money. It doesn't matter. You cut them tomorrow. You still owe them that money. It's guaranteed. So I think that's another huge, huge reason why some of these teams are kind of going, I don't know if I want to pay somebody till they're 50. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't want to pay a guy that long just because of that. I mean, do you guys kind of agree with that sentiment that yeah. it's kind of like – I think baseball is kind of coming because for years it was spend, 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 right? Mm-hmm. And now you go to the other way and you go, yeah, you know what? Maybe we'll just wait. Maybe we'll let cultivate some of these rookies. You know, the Cubs That's, won by signing very specific big name stars, but they cultivated it. The rest of it, they sucked for years. But then all of those draft picks came up and were players and could play. That's what I mean, though. Yeah. Like you don't just go out right now. You you get Bryce Harper, mm-hmm. but you have no team around you. Mm-hmm. Instead, you just like. In baseball, at least, you build up everybody. Right. And then once you get, like... Yeah, I think it's, once... It's one or two key pieces you at get, the yeah, end, right? Yeah, you, like, once you, once you have, like, everyone, and then you're like, I just need a catcher, and you're good, that's when you go out, you get the best catcher you can, right. and then you're like, all right, now let's make the run. And then you have, like, a two-year window that you make the run, mm-hmm. and then you kind of just fall apart. You right, try and then you sell it off, and, you sell off everybody, yeah. and you start it all that's over why, again. That's why not a lot of baseball teams are, like... 
the like the Patriots or anything because right. it's just so hard to keep these guys there and right. keep And there's going. such a steep drop off too in baseball where you're either really really good or it's like okay I'm here and you know you're good and then you see a big drop off all of a sudden it's like wow that 35 year mark or the, he 33 that's when you saw the turn from being serviceable to being a liability out there. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that's a I think that's a huge thing. But that is going to be it for episode 10. Reminder, we are on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Google Podcasts. We are everywhere. And, of course, we're on YouTube. Be sure to watch the everywhere. YouTube episode every Wednesday at 7 a.m. I am the host, Rob Mendyka, the Mouth of Michigan, with myself, the Merck Zone, with the brain, Emily Merkel. I'm and right thanks here. again to Kyle Budzanowski. We will see you guys, as always, next week.